I don't typically ever date bad guys. So you're not going to look at me and be like, oh, there was a history of bad guys. And then she got a good guy and she dumped him. But I very much am like, if I see something, even if I'm like enjoying my time with you, if I see something that says to me, this isn't going to work out or my feelings for you aren't strong um, and I don't want to carry something out that I don't feel like is going to sustain itself or, or make you or me feel bad, I'm good to be like, I'm out. Nick Cannon is is the guy that that does go to the activities that his kids want to go to. Treats all of his baby mamas like... Respectable. Yeah, like, yeah, like... Yeah. Like so well loved, like they he does kind of give them the image like they are loved equally. <laughs> them and the kids are loved equally. When they passed out the homework and it was like, oh, Mandy got an A again. It was like, what was I supposed to do? Fail? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Hello and welcome to Cuzzle Combos. I'm Cuzzle Mandy. And this is Cuzzle Nate. And it's been a long time again. Do y'all be missing us when we're gone for a long time? <laughs> I have to be honest. Like, It's not just that we don't talk to y'all because even though we talk to each other more than we talk to y'all, we also sometimes don't be talking to each other. And I miss my cousin yep. when we don't get together and discuss life and whatnot it's life man yeah Sometimes time life just comes at you you know and it's filled with all kinds of busyness and situations and yeah i feel like my life's been been super busy um <coughs> hold it together because <laughs> i feel like my life's been super busy not in a bad way but I just miss, like, I enjoy the moments when I try to capture being by myself at home with, mm-hmm. like, very little to do. Mm-hmm. I've been coloring a lot, oh, which oh. is one of my favorite things to do um, with my, the little free time I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, there's other things I need to be doing with that free time. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I need this for my mental <laughs> therapy because yeah, I feel that there's so much going on with my other amounts of time. But yeah. Uh, what about you? Um, you know, job stuff, wedding stuff. Um, that's pretty much about it. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, keeping up, trying to keep up with my fiance. That's pretty much She's it. She's a fast mover. She stays getting yeah. things done. Trying to get her business stuff going up a little, a little more. So. Hopefully, hopefully things will be moving. So that can actually be a perfect transition into our Descended Discourse, which on this episode will be a two-parter since we didn't have one last week. But with your fiance really trying to get her business off the ground, she has honed in on her baking. Like that is her thing. She's a baker. Um, in her nine to five and then also in her personal business, she's a baker. So Mm -hmm. she's pretty much doubled down on that thing as being her thing. I Mm -hmm. would even dare to say she's a master at it. Mm -hmm. So I would like to discuss 
the topic or the trope, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, what that meant for us growing up and then really get into what the full saying is and why I think people don't always pay attention to the full saying or care about the full saying. But um, I'll first start by asking, do you feel like you're a jack of all trades or do you feel like you're a master of none? Uh... Probably sorry, never. that's that's incorrect. That's the same. I need incorrect. to tell you. Sorry, yeah, I need to tell you what the full saying is before <laughs> I need to correct it. Okay, jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. So, do you feel like you're a jack of all trades and a master of none, or do you feel like you're a master of one? I think I'm a jack of all trades only because I've done so many different things in my life. I was thinking about it the other day, and I'm like, I've done, I've probably actually probably done more since I was 18, like different things than like a lot of people. Different people can probably say they've done in their lifetime. Honestly, I've done mm-hmm. audio, I've done engineering stuff, I've been done calculus, I've done customer service, I've done retail, done sales. It's uh, done a little bit of construction, I guess. It's a lot. <laughs> I've done a lot of. I've touched a lot of different fields, so okay. it's very interesting. I similarly feel like I'm a jack of all trades. Um, for a few reasons, because I feel like I have a lot of interests, mm-hmm. and even though from childhood there's been one thing that I've said I've always wanted to do, um, which is be a writer. I wouldn't say that I'm a master at being a writer. I just think that's one of the things I'm most interested in. But I'm also like a very realistic person. And I'm like, I got to do what I have to do to get the bills paid or to um, sustain myself. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I'm a good worker overall. And and I'm kind of a flexible person. So that allows me to kind of go into whatever lane I need to be in and get the job done and be like, you know, good at my job. Um, in order to to make myself be where mm-hmm. I need to be to sustain myself. So mm-hmm. I would also um, say I'm a jack of all trades. Uh, with that, would you honestly prefer to be a master of one or would you prefer where you are to be a jack of all trades? Honestly, I'd probably like to be a master of one mm-hmm. and then pay everybody else to do everything that I don't, you know that I've kind of learned to do because yeah. you know jack of all trades I feel like my dad is kind of like a jack of all trades not out of like hey I really like this it's more of like I kind of need to do this to save money and make my house look nice so mm-hmm. you know it's if I could I think and yeah no and I, like if I think of my dad if, if I told him like hey if we can go back in time I gave you a hundred thousand dollars would you do everything that you did again or would you pay somebody to do it I guarantee you this man would say, yeah, pay somebody to do it. Really? I feel like my father would be the opposite. Like, I know he would be the opposite. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I have the opposite feeling. Like, I'm like you or your dad where I'm saying, I I do it now with my lack of money a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I um, 
want to pay people for their services. Mm-hmm. I'm not the person that likes to necessarily go for the cheapest option mm-hmm. when I'm trying to get something. Um, I'm like, this person is skilled at what they do. Whether they're a jack or a master, they're skilled at what they do. Mm-hmm. And so their rate, in my opinion, is reflecting whatever type of work that they're about to be doing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, some people can charge high and they could be bad, but you know, you just you you really take a gamble in that scenario either way. But my point, my viewpoint is, someone is paying their rate for a reason. I'm not about to argue with them and assume I can do better than them just to save a buck. If I know that this is what they do every day, and I don't do this every day, mm-hmm. so like I, I definitely would prefer to to hire masters if I could. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody does. That's why usually masters always charge top rate. Like with audio, um, if you're like a top rate guy, like doing concerts for Beyonce and stuff, you're living good. The middle people mm-hmm. they live okay, and then everybody at the Somewhat, you could be like a jack of all trades audio person, but you ain't making super good money. So, so what I mean, but what what does that look like to say that you're a jack of all trades while still being in one lane or or job title or something? I would say a jack of all trades means that pretty much no matter what the scenario is, you could figure it out. Mm-hmm. Or get it done, um, which is good in itself. But the, there is some learning curve. I think like some of the best jack of all trades people, that's a thing, have very short learning curves. Mm-hmm. So that's true. yeah, so the, the shorter the learning curve, the, the more things you'll be, the faster you'll be able to learn, the more things you'll be able to do. Um, so, do you think that 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 causes them not to want to master things though? Like feeling like oh, they're used to picking up something quickly. And if it takes them a little longer, they're like, oh, I'd rather move on to the next thing. Um, I'll use me as, you know, if I get bored, I will go to, well, that's probably why I've gone to so many different things because I get bored. Um, and like, could I be, could, I could have worked at audio. Um, actually, that was kind of my low key, my goal. And then COVID hit and then, you know, there was no longer my goal because I'm not playing this. All right, depends on the hurricane or circumstances if I'm going to have a job or be able to eat or not. Mm. If it's too hard, I like it. If it's too easy, then I won't like it. I can't even say that because in engineering, I could have been an electrical engineer, but I didn't like it. So, so it needs to be hard, but still like enjoyable. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to talk about it, this subject in Descendant Discourse, is because I thought about when I was growing up and like the laser focus, certain subjects that my parents always wanted me to do, or like the the job titles that they typically want you to have. And I feel like it's across the board with most families, but especially with like, I think they say like immigrant families, they'll say like engineer, doctor, lawyer, nurse, teacher. Mm-hmm. And of course, my parents was like, yeah, do that. Um, And I was in grade school, particularly, I guess they said I was good at like maths and sciences. I don't really remember. I I never got bad grades in any subject. So to Mm -hmm. me, I'm like, I'm good at everything. (laughs) Again, (laughs) I'm like, I'm not failing any of these subjects. (laughs) 
Um, but I knew what I had interest in. And so for me, it was like, maybe sometimes I think like, maybe I could have been a master, um, as a nurse or a doctor, especially because I'm not someone that like shies away from like blood or, or gore, stuff like that. Like I used to be the kid that kind of like would overpick my scabs. Cause that's like, Ooh, it's gonna be weird. so I'm like, I do think sometimes, like, oh, in a former life, I, I could have been a doctor or a nurse. Like, I don't think I would have had issues in the classes. And I don't think mm-hmm. I even would have necessarily disliked being in the medical field. But that wasn't the thing that piqued my interest. And so I, I wish sometimes that my parents, if they wanted me to be a master of something, had at least pushed me into the things that I was interested in. Because... Like, for example, some people will say, like, oh, with sports, it's a one in a million chance that you're going to get to whatever the major leagues are, whether it's, like, gymnastics, tennis, Mm -hmm. um, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. But for people that make it, it's it's in part because someone gave them permission to focus on that thing. They were also skilled and talented, but it's, like, they, they got the opportunity to be able to stay in that lane. And to an extent, I hope that they also enjoyed it. Um, and I feel like my dad could have very easily been like a Joe Jackson or a Richard Williams or whomever. To be you don't like, think I'm he was? It. He was. But he he was he wasn't he wasn't focused either, mm. as focused as he could have been. His thing was like, oh, read, oh, do math problems. Yeah, yeah. He he was never focused on like this is the thing that I need you to 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 be doing so that you can get to this goal. He still kind of had his own range of stuff. Like he definitely was was. That's why I say he could have been because mm-hmm. he had the energy mm-hmm. of those people. Mm-hmm. But. He didn't have the focus to say, like, we are only focusing on music. We are only focusing on tennis, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I wish that they had done that for me in the areas that I was interested in, because then I do feel like with my interest, with my skill set, and then with that push under me and my parents being like, you better do it. And then I'm like, okay, I could have been all the things. Maybe I want to And that's not to blame them because I need to find my own um, ambition and and steadfastness. Mm-hmm. But like the the 10,000 hours concepts, like mm-hmm. to become a master or something, you need to do 10,000 hours. You got to start that from young. <laughs> if you're trying to start that now yeah. in your 30s that we are in, you're behind the curve. And there's no way I'm, like, for me being a writer, I could still do it. But if I was trying to be an athlete, it'd be too late, honestly. Yeah. Uh, especially, well, the thing is with the athlete specifically, and I don't blame anybody going for that, is because for you to be really great, like even Serena Williams is coming down for her prime. And she's mm-hmm. the best tennis player probably ever. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, father time always gets you. And you have about a good, we'll just say from when you're 18 and you start getting paid, depending on the sport. So, well, for them, I think it was like 14. 
So at least for her, she's been a professional in her field for like 30 years. Yeah, because she's in her 30s. Wow. She's in her 40s. For, she's in her she's 40s? Like 31. I think she's 40. For most people, though, for like on average, for you, I mean, Serena's going to be one in a billion, obviously. But for you to be even somewhat okay, like you have about a cap of about 20 years. Yeah, Serena's 40. So she, yeah. she's been doing it from childhood, but I think 14 is when her and her sister went pro and started um, competing for money. And technically, they could have been doing it from younger, uh-huh. but the father wanted to allow them to somewhat have a childhood. Uh-huh. You sound so, like yeah, you they, watched King Richard. That's what this. I did watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, at 14, that's when she made her professional debut. Okay. That makes sense. So that's still 26 years as a professional of something, which is honestly typical of any career to be like in one field for that long is is pretty typical, especially after you've done all of your training. But she's 40. Her and her husband, I'm pretty sure, collectively are billionaires Mm. Um, because he owns Reddit or whatever. Formerly owned Reddit, but collectively, I'm pretty sure they're billionaires. She can now still start a whole new career. I mean, she has a bunch of other things that she does, but I'm like, she could start a whole new career today. <laughs> yeah, legit. It's uh, not unfair, but it's unfair. <laughs> uh, but it's it's you know, and and athletes though it's if anybody wants to. You know, like I heard somebody, Kevin Durant doesn't really want a relationship or something like that because he wants to focus on basketball. And I don't even blame anybody doing that is because, like, you you got a cap. Like, if you have a certain career like a businessman, you could do that for the rest of your life. Legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, for athletes, athletes in general, and you might be the unicorn like the Kevin Durant or the Bronze or Serena Williams or Tiger Woods doing it for, like, 30 plus years but it you you know it's, let's just say it's even that you still got a cap you know you have yes, to get... sorry yeah I, I was gonna say yes there's a cap but I, I still think there's balance if you look at lebron he's mm-hmm. been able to have you know he's been in the nba since he was 18 because he you know, was out here getting it young. He had <laughs> he had his son at a young age, but now him and his wife have raised their son to where the son is going to probably be a professional athlete as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so to me, it's like you you can be in your field and still manage your life enough, especially if you are at the high level, that you can also train up your children to be just as great. I feel like Kobe was doing the same thing with Gigi. Unfortunately, they both passed. Like, Gigi definitely would have been in the WNBA. hmm I, I want to... I want to believe that, like... I guess I know I don't have to be a master at something to give my children the opportunity to be a master at something. But I would like to be able to show them like 
I can I accomplish this and and that'll help them to believe in themselves to be able to accomplish something. Yes. I agree. I I yeah, well by the time I have kids and like they get to let's say nine or ten, I do want to be able to show them like, hey, hey, I might have done damper with all this and blah 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 blah. But this is what I have to show for it. I have a decent house and you have food on the table. Yeah, I didn't mean like that. Oh. <laughs> but I mean I want I want to be able to sustain my children and, and you know give them a good life. Like you said, like mm-hmm. food on the table, uh roof over their heads, blah blah blah. But like there's this uh YouTube family that I watch. And they put their kids in a bunch of sports. They have three sons and then a daughter who's three. So there's sons, of course, were getting in a bunch of different sports. One of them is like naturally talented at sports. Every single thing he touches, swimming, um, basketball, football, soccer, he, he's always the best kid on the team. Um, that's the youngest son. The second youngest son doesn't really like doing things he's not good at. So if he's not immediately picking it up, he's like, I don't want to do it. And then the parents have to encourage him to be like, you know, it's still good to learn things and improve and blah, blah, blah. And then the oldest son is like good at some things, but not good at others. But he kind of has like specific interests. Then they have their daughter who I think they were just trying to get into activities. And I already be having problems with these kids being more athletically able than me. And I don't just mean them, but I mean like all these kids on YouTube and Instagram and stuff out here working out and putting me to shame (laughs) and making me feel bad. Mm -hmm. I don't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But their three-year-old gets into gymnastics. And when I tell you (laughs) this girl is out here killing the game, but she also has like this drive or this focus to say like, oh, mommy, I want to do gymnastics now. And so the mom buys a bunch of, you know, gymnastics equipment mm-hmm. and practices with her every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dad, you know, is out there encouraging too. To, to where I'm like, I I honestly believe I could be seeing this three-year-old in the Olympics in, what's the youngest they can be, like 15? In 12 years. 15, 16, oh mm. in 12 years, this kid could could end up in the Olympics because she has the interest, her parents are backing the interest, mm. and, then, and then pushing her to have that job. There's other things that they allow her to do so she can also still be a jack of all trades. Like she's, she goes to dance class, she goes to swim practice, you know, mm-hmm. they make sure that she's learning how to read or, you know, mm-hmm. her ABCs or whatever. So it's not like they're like, oh, you're you're into gymnastics now? That's all you ever do. But I'm like, if this kid is showing a natural talent, I want to be able to give that to my kid as well. Kind of like King Richard without, you know, all this other problematic behavior to say, like, I'm going to l- allow my kids to be kids. I'm going to make sure that they're doing their schoolwork. But if they show that they are talented at a thing, I want to back them in it and give them the option to become a master. I got you. Because I, I don't think I had that in the way I would have liked it. Not Again, not to say that my parents weren't trying to make me masters. They definitely were. Mm. It's just I, it wasn't in the thing that I was focused on. Sure, sure, sure. No, I... I always wonder, like, how I would push my kids, too. Because I look at my life and I... 
even at this point, you know, I kind of know what I want to do, but like I don't have the money to do it, you know. Mm. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, even after college. Really, honestly, like right after college. So it's it's weird to me, like like how, like what's the pushing point? Like you say, like your parents didn't push you enough. Some kids would be like, yo, my parents pushed me way too much. But, like, what is. Because mm-hmm. I don't medium? want to then put stress and anxiety on someone. Um, or even your expectations on them. Like, you want the, your kid to be the best that they can be without saying, like, hey, you need to do this because of blah, blah, blah. I'm not mm-hmm. that great at basketball. If my kid was that bas- good at basketball, somewhat good at basketball, has somewhat interest in basketball, I would love to push him to go and play basketball. To do something yeah. that I would never, could never do. But then, you know. I think part of that is giving them uh, confidence and autonomy to make like certain decisions when they need to. I think about Simone Biles specifically. Okay. Who, again, without a doubt, is the best gymnast in, in the world currently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When she went to the Olympics last year, 2020, I think it was 2021, so last year. Everyone's expecting her to be the overall, um, to win the overalls, to win on, you know, number one in pretty much everything. And then she, and to uh, play for the team and she had to pull herself. And they're like, what's going on? And she's like, my head is not focused. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away from the fact that she is still the number one gymnast in the world, but she didn't compete. In, in that place and I, I that's what I would want for my kids to know that like they are still good at what they do they're still the best but if something's wrong don't be afraid to say it don't be afraid to take care of yourself if you need to take care of yourself mm-hmm. because otherwise it can be damaging mentally physically whatever mm-hmm. especially for for what she does it is so easy I feel like in gymnastics to break everything you every everything that you got, your face, your finger, your leg, your your elbow, whatever, you can break all that. <laughs> True. So and then your your mind gets scrambled or whatever from even some the things that she's been through because of gymnastics. Like mm-hmm. unfortunately, um her and many other gymnasts were like sexually assaulted and yeah. were in are in the middle of that case. So that's even more of a thing where it's like you want to protect your kids from all kinds of situations that that they could be presented with um, while being in the thing that they love or are good at. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's harder to just keep them away from all hurt, harm, and danger. Mm-hmm. But you at least want to give them. Like I said, the confidence, the wherewithal, the understanding to to protect themselves if they can, or ask for help if they need it. That's that's the way I would I would say. Like it's instilling um, values in them. Still, like making time not just for the physical activities, but for like conversation, um, especially conversation around like mental health and like how their feelings, emotions, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it, honestly, it's typically like these elite level athletes that go through a lot of mental breakdowns too, and you don't see it till afterwards, yeah. um, or the conversation doesn't come up till afterwards. But 
they'll be doing all kinds of stuff to try to maintain themselves or to push themselves or whatever. Even, um, you know, sometimes taking steroids or other legal substances to try and be the best. And it's like, you can still be like, it's good to want to be the best, but it's also just be happy and understanding you made it to a level that other people don't get to make it. (laughs) Yeah. It's very, very true. Yeah. I, I like get excited thinking about like, what's the thing that my kid's going to be good at? Cause I don't know if my parents can say like, this is the thing you were good at. Uh, Nope. I think they would just look at me like, oh, you were good at a lot of things. So I'm like, okay, I'm a jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other um, thing too, but jack of all trades, you have to be, it's not like you're dabbling <clears throat> with things. You're supposed to be good at a lot of different things. Yeah. <clears throat> so. I think for me though, also being a jack of all trades is like, put a little bit of a burden on me where it's like, Okay, Mandy can can handle this and this and that because I've seen her handle this, this, and that. Um, so I may call on her before someone else. And not just my parents, but just like people to say like, oh, Mandy can juggle mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, but I don't want to. <laughs> I call on someone else. My hand isn't raised. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. All right. Do you feel like we've covered all the the things for this topic? I think so. I think so. I mean, we did about a usual situation for Descendant Discourse, but guess what, guys? Like I said, we're still here in Descendant Discourse because we got other things to talk about. (laughs) Um, So for the second half of Descendant Discourse, we are going to talk about dating and relationships. And there are two topics specifically that have been like in the news that make me want to observe the process of dating and relationships and forming a family. And that's Lori Harvey and Michael B. Jordan breaking up and Nick Cannon and his plethora of baby mamas and how he has is. He had multiple children from different mothers born in 2021, and he is not doing an it again in 20. Yeah, not an accident. And he's doing it again in 2022. He's going to have multiple children born this year by multiple women. So it just makes me like I look at the way that these people are navigating relationships, how they feel about it. But then I also have look at the comments and how everyone is hating on these people or like co-signing these people mm-hmm. on why they should be able to do what they do. And I'm like, clearly we did not all get the same education or, or information when it comes to dating and what the, the protocol is, or clearly the same thing doesn't work for the same people. So I'm like, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about how to navigate dating and relationships. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What would you say and feel free to like not talk about Brittany in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but just like your history of dating and navigating relationships, like how would you describe it? Uh, <laughs> always trying to make the other person happy. Usually, nine times out of ten. 
Um, nah, I don't think nine times out of ten. No, nine times out of ten. There's one time I really didn't do it, but although <laughs> it's definitely an asshole, but for the most part, I think I definitely just try to put all my hopes and dreams, and I like move my life around and everything for girls. And in hindsight, it was stupid, but um, okay. So I think with that description that you're giving, people might describe you as more of the Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Where they feel like Michael B. Jordan did a lot to support Lori Harvey and show that he cared for her, especially after she was dating a bunch of celebrities who were notorious for treating women like they ain't shit. Mm-hmm. And so to watch them or observe them being broken up with, they're like, y'all women say y'all want a good guy who will do X, Y, and Z for you, but then you get a man that does X, Y, and Z for you and you still break up with them. Mm-hmm. So like, for you being that person, how did you feel when those relationships ended? Mm, butthurt for sure. Um, but the good thing about it, I think, is that I got over them kind of quick, kind of quickly. Um, because you felt like they did you dirty. Eh, yeah, I guess. And I guess because, like, I knew that I was better without them. Like, my heart finally caught up with my head. Mm. So, and I'm a pretty rational person overall. So, you know, maybe after like, a month or two, I'm like, all right, yeah, that's cool. Okay. Uh, like, I could probably wrap my head around, you know, why they did certain things or whatever the case is. Um, mostly, I think people get bored of me. But, you know, it is what it is. Oh. It is what it is. I think part of it is, too, is that I get comfortable. And the thing about Brittany is that, you know, it's always something different. And I, you know, I'm never, I'm not boring. I try not to be boring. I'm definitely not boring. I'm always trying to do something different. Settle is the right word. I'm always, usually in relationships, I always tend to settle. But with Brittany, Mm -hmm. I never really settle. She's always pushing me, which I like it. I like it That's a lot. Yeah. Something you had said before where you, um, I can't remember the exact wording, but I guess my understanding of it was like, you got over it quickly be, um, and you felt like you were able to just like process like, oh, that, that wasn't the right person for me. That is the thing that I feel like in this Lori Harvey situation, I relate to so soundly. Like I don't typically ever date bad guys so you're not gonna look at me and be like oh there was a history of bad guys and then she got a good guy and she dumped him but I very much am like if I see something even if I'm like enjoying my time with you if I see something that says to me this isn't gonna work out or my feelings for you aren't strong um and I don't want to carry something out that I don't feel like is gonna sustain itself or or make you or me feel bad I'm good to be like I'm out And I wonder sometimes if that means like, or if I would be described as like flighty or just like never satisfied or whatever, but I kind of don't care a lot of times because I'm like, I don't mind being by myself. Like, I don't feel like it's the worst thing in the world (laughs) for me to be alone. So it doesn't feel like a threat to me, which I feel like a lot of guys try and think like, you're going to be end up by yourself. And I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) and <laughs> <laughs> so like it's a threat for me to 
be by myself in order to be with someone that I don't think I should be with. Mm-hmm. So even though a lot of us on the back burner, like Michael B. Jordan is it. He's everything. How could she not want him? To me, I'm like, the girl is 25 years old. He's literally like 10 years older than her. I don't even necessarily believe that it's Oh, he's 10 years older than any- her? I think so. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't even think it's that he did anything wrong or she did anything wrong. Because he still has her... Yeah, he's he's 35. He's 10 years older than her. So he still has her posted on his social media. So I'm like, either he just hasn't updated his social media or he's not really mad at her despite the fact that the relationship has ended. You seen homie but, yet at the, the, the court side of the basketball game? Homie still hurt. You said he Supposedly. still hurt? Supposedly. Supposedly. But I'm like, he can be, but he's not being like vindictive to be like, oh, I'm going to act like I never knew her. Like she, like my point mm-hmm. being, if with her still being on his social media, I don't look at it like, it was potentially, and I, of course, I don't know the details, like a terrible breakup, but it was just like a relationship that ended. Mm-hmm. So it's just possible that A, they are two perfectly good people that aren't right for each other, or they're just not in the same place right now. Because he is a 35-year-old man who has well-established himself in his career and may be ready to settle down. And she's 25 and is... A lot of people didn't even know like she could talk five, you know, five months ago, but now she's <laughs> now she's developing herself as a person, figuring out things she wants to do, getting invited to events without a dude. Like she's establishing herself, mm. and I'm like, yeah, she may not be ready to, you know, the speculation is that he proposed. We don't really know that, but she may not be ready to be attached to someone for life while she's still figuring herself out. And I don't think that's a terrible thing. Like, you can want a relationship and not be ready for the ultimate commitment. I used to not... I still kind of have the saying, I don't get into a relationship anticipating a breakup. But I think that people uh, more so are getting into relationships and kind of spelling out their expectations. Mm -hmm. And the assumption that with time someone will change their mind about what they want i don't think is a good thing if someone is not if someone is being very clear about what they want or where they stand or whatever and they don't vocalize at any point that their opinions have changed i think it's dumb of people to be like oh well we've been together for a long time so they probably don't still feel that way if they didn't feel that way anymore they would say it Mm -hmm. If they didn't say it, they probably still feel that way. And you believing that spending all this time with them is going to change their mind is dumb. And that applies to men and women. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been that girl that's like, oh, he didn't w- want to be in a relationship, but now I'm ready to be in a relationship. Maybe he does too. I said I want to be in a relationship. He said, nah. I was like, but <laughs> to be fair, he told me up front. But at that time, I didn't want a relationship to be there. So it worked out. Mm-hmm. Now that I want one and he doesn't, I removed myself from that situation Mm -hmm. because this person is being clear about what they want and I'm not about to change their mind. And in the times when I stayed, it wasn't because I thought I was about to change their mind. I just knew I wasn't ready to move on. True. Speaking to that same sentiment, Nick Cannon was married. (laughs) He said, I don't want to be married no more. Mm -hmm. 
but I do love to be with a bunch of women. I kind of believe in the polygamous lifestyle and I want to populate the earth. I don't believe in condoms. And so then people are kind of getting mad at him. Why? I never understood that because the the whole thing of like, you know, people having a whole bunch of babies when you're poor, I get because one, you don't have the time to uh, be fathers to these kids. Or barely, you know, give them all the money. But, like, if Nick Cannon... The only thing that I, you could probably criticize, I think, fully, is that you can't 100% be a father to all these kids equally. Like, be a full-time mm-hmm. father. He can definitely provide, though. For sure. It's not like Nick Cannon don't got money. So... Yeah. Nick Cannon's also probably secretly close to being a billionaire. I don't believe in the notion that if someone can provide for a kid, that that covers their responsibility of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. However, Nick Cannon does feel like the best multiple baby daddy I've ever seen. I agree. Like... <laughs> Like, all these other people that be having multiple baby mamas typically treat the baby mamas like garbage, mm-hmm. um, are not, like, active in engaging in certain things with the kids. Like, you, can, you always see the kids with the mom. You barely see them with the dad. And then when they're with the dad... It doesn't look like they're engaging in a thing that's for the kid. It's just like, oh, I dragged my kid along Mm -hmm. to this event that I was going to anyways. Mm -hmm. But not, I took my time to do something that my kid would want to do. Or I I took the time to think about this is something my kid would enjoy and I got them this. They still kind of like put that burden on someone else. Nick Cannon is, is the guy that that does go to the activities that his kids want to go to. Treats all of his baby mamas like respectable. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah, like so well loved. Like they, he does kind of give them the image like they are loved equally. <laughs> them and the kids are loved equally, and even you know has made like when people joke with him, but has made the comment like, oh. If something happens to you and, you know, which kids are going to get the money, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I don't want to, you know, make this sound bad. But if I know that Mariah has got um, those kids covered, I want to make sure that my other kids are covered. It's not that he'll ever do not do for his kids with Mariah. But he's like, I want to make sure all my kids are good. And I don't know how he does it. Was that his first Hmm? kids with Mariah? Those were his first kids, yeah. And they're twins. And he's also just like be spitting out multiples. I don't know what's going on with, with him. His sperm strong. It's ridiculous. But um Yeah. I I don't it I, I just I just feel like for people that maybe believe in polygamous relationships, I think there's a difference between polygamy and polyamory. I mean, I don't think these are polygamous relationships because I don't think is he right, in ta- their relationship with all these people? That's why I'm trying to see which one he he's doing. Maybe it's polyamory. I also don't know how to spell polyamory. Okay, I got it. Ooh, Google. Mm-hmm. 
People who have multiple romantic relationships at the same time. That's polyamory. And then polygamy is the practice of having more than one wife or husband at the same time. So he's he's definitely doing polygamy. And other people are doing, you know, polyamory, where it's like everyone can kind of have multiple open, casual, mm-hmm. romantic relationships. Or even committed romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, he's definitely like... All these women are my partners. <laughs> or, um, I don't want to claim another wife, but they're all my partners. So he has multiple partners, I would say. Okay. Um, and the like, he doesn't shy away from the subject, the conversation. I definitely think that bec- he is still very busy as a business Mm -hmm. owner successful person like being rich like he still gets on a plane and goes all over the place and does a lot of stuff so it's not that he's spending all of his time with a few of his children but i do think see him doing it the best um because there was another person on the other end of the spectrum um a black man who came out as having like 35 children it was like, I take care of all my children, and he's a truck driver. And I'm like, the energy that he was giving, he had, he had like, all his kids in a picture together. Mm-hmm. Like, so he was, um, it, to me, that gave the energy of he made sure all of the kids came to him kind of, like, at his own convenience, especially being a truck driver. Maybe he doesn't have, like a solid I don't want to say a solid home like he don't have a place to live but you know he, he probably doesn't have a solid home that houses 35 children at once so there's like oh come on everybody we're going to the park mm-hmm. as opposed to everyone's coming to dad's house for the weekend like mm-hmm. probably no way that's going to work out <laughs> another thing too is that I think He's probably under the impression that he's probably not going to live to be a very old man. I don't think he. I don't know because he, like he has. A, I know he has a lot of health issues, so maybe he's he has, about Nick. Nick Cannon, sorry. Mm-hmm. That maybe he's under the impression that he won't live super long either, too. So maybe he's just doing all this stuff to. I don't know why he's doing that. He he said something to the effect of like we were made to populate the earth like oh to be fruitful and multiply multiply type thing and that he plans to, to do just that I don't know if that, that is a male thing to literally feel the need to plant your seed and hope that it grows a bunch of flowers I do not have that strong desire. As someone that that even though I went to foster and adopt, I don't look at it like, oh, I could be um, foster, adopt, and you know potentially give birth to biological children. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't look at it like, oh, I'm just gonna foster and adopt a bunch of kids, and I'm just gonna have like it's gonna be cheaper by the dozen over here or whatever. <laughs> like I don't, <laughs> I don't feel the need to just say I'm going to to have a bunch of, of kids. Um, I still kind of have the mindset of like, 
as much as I can handle is not just on the financial spectrum. It's that I have energy for, that I have time for, that I can dedicate, you know, certain things to. Like, we were just talking about being skillful. I don't know how I can make sure that all of my children have a skill, not just being a jack or a master or whatever, but have skills at all if I'm off doing a bunch of other things. Like, how am I instilling certain values in them if I have so many? Like, make sure I cover so many. Then there's a bunch of YouTube families that I watch that got seven to eight kids biologically. So I'm like, people are doing it. I just don't. I just don't. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's just <laughs> never in my wildest dreams of just did I anticipate maybe having more than three kids. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would have the mental space again. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if I could have the mental space to have more than four. Like. I think, like, at the maximum, I'd be, like, five. Especially if they were, like, spaced out a little bit. I'm like, okay. We got through that first hump. We can get add some more kids to the fold. But I'm like, when, when you start when you start going six and up, I'm like, bro, what are we doing? Well, I mean, also, I guess he has the thing that they're all not necessarily in the same place. So, I guess there's that. Right. But, so... so for the for the mothers, they're not all having to deal with multiple kids at once. They're not dealing with with six a month. I think right now it's like they don't have more than two each because mm-hmm. he's spanning it across so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's why it doesn't bother him as much. I don't know. Yeah, because he ain't staying with all the kids. Like, if all these kids live with him, I think of my day is such a different situation. These criminal little <laughs> babies running around. All between the ages of zero and nine. That's a lot. Okay, so when these conversations are being had between the Lori Harvey and the Nick Cannon situation, what would you describe as probably the worst one? The worst one, what? The worst comments? No, we no. Like, who do you think is is the bad guy in their situation, or who do you think is in the it just in the worst situation? Is it Lori Harvey being known for like dating a bunch of celebrity guys and not really committing fully to settling down with any of them, or not seemingly being happy with any of the relationships she's been in? Or Nick Cannon, who seems very happy and content with all the women he's dealing with, but he's going to populate with all of them. And I think that Lori Harvey is just going to get a better, a worse rap just because she is a woman. Mm-hmm. That's I think it's just facts. I think that especially her going through, she doesn't have any boundaries. I feel like I feel like she's dated P Diddy and her her son, his son. Or somebody's son. Somebody's father. Yeah, it was his son. But when you say she doesn't have boundaries, like, what do you mean? Just that. She, like, and normally people won't be like, I dated your son. I'm not going to date your dad. She don't care. I feel like she's on this track to do whatever she's got to do to do for her career. So she's, ha- I feel like she's having, like, a lot of high. Every single 
boyfriend that she has, it's always like a very high profile person. And I don't think she's dating for love per se. I think she's dating for business, which, you know, good for you. And if she is dating for love, then also good for you. But I feel uh-huh. like she's just going to get a, a worse rap just, just because she's doing something that guys have been doing for forever. So. I don't know that she isn't dating for love. It's weird to me to say, like, identifying what people date for. Because I feel like people often say, like, okay, women date for security, um, sustainability, whatever. And then men date based upon looks, what they find attractive. Probably the women think that the security thing is attractive, so that's what they're focused on. They're like, mm, that 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 being able to pay for this and that looks real good on you, sir." Mm-hmm. I <laughs> but that's why I I think she's in a league or in a situation where everyone that she's dealing with is going to be of a certain caliber. And, and sustainability. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think she's ever gonna have to worry about them not being at that level. So for that reason, I'm like, I'm not really worried. I don't. I don't think she isn't dating for love. And I kind of think the same thing with like Nick Cannon. It's like he has a plethora of good looking women available to him. So I I do kind of believe that like the women that he's choosing probably have something else about them that he finds very beautiful or valuable or whatever because when you when you have the pick of the litter available to you 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 don't have to just choose like oh that's their only good qualifying thing like to me they are less likely to settle because they have so many options mm-hmm. of available to them and i think the rest of us are upset with them f- for not settling and being satisfied and just like well if you had that i would i would be happy so why aren't you happy with that like why aren't you happy with that beautiful woman that wants to have kids with you and why aren't you happy with that beautiful man that wants to wipe you down it's like if that isn't good enough for them and they can have more why shouldn't they have more you mad because you can't get that (laughs) maybe and you're right maybe she is you know just looking for I don't know. Maybe she is possibly looking for love in all the men that she doesn't necessarily want. I mean, it's dating. You're 100% right. People, a lot of people don't start really settling down until about their mid-20s-ish. Especially nowadays. So, mm, I could be wrong. But the other thing, though, that Nick Cannon has on Lori Harvey is that people could say that Nick was a is a bad dad or whatever the case is. But only time will tell. So when really you're going to have about 10 years to figure out if Nick Cannon was a bad dad or not. Mm-hmm. Probably even more than that, honestly, until they start becoming adults, teenagers, adults. So probably a little bit more than that. But, you know, to, right now, between Lori Harvey and Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon's winning. I think the oldest kids are like 11 or 12. So 10 years. Probably closer to like eight years. They'll, they'll start saying something. Well, that's with the Mariah Carey. That, that that doesn't count. I'm talking about with his whole plethora of baby mama thing. You don't think the Mariah Carey kids may have something to say? 
They, I mean, they're already being vocal now to be like, don't talk about my daddy. <laughs> no, about like him, them being like a bad parent, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe. But that's why I said, like... I think they're going to be a little bit different because they're the product of love and everybody... Well, I can't even say that because you don't, I don't know if they're... <laughs> they're all... I, I honestly do believe all of those children are a product of love in some sense. In some sense, yeah. Yeah, that's why I kind of took it back, but yeah, it is what it is. I, I just think... Because I, I don't think that he selected any of these people to have kids with, like, on a whim or randomly or whatever. Like, he, I mean, he, and he's pretty much said as much, like, all of, all of, I'm not having these, these kids randomly. It's not with random people. It's not, um, without thought process. So, like, if he's picking these women to say, like, you seem like a good woman to have a kid with, and now I'm about to have this kid with you. I, I don't think the I all all I feel is that like you said it may take a while for the kids to vocalize if they feel like they got everything that they needed yeah or would have wanted mm-hmm. from their father but I don't think it won't be because of his lack of trying mm-hmm. to to sustain them, where I think a lot of other people are like, well, I have major, sure, you have food to eat, so what you complaining for? Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll be what he does. Like, I, I do think he's going to try to be as Present. impactful in his kid's life as he can. I got you. I feel you. Yeah. We still might need to do like a part two on dating because we mainly talked about their stuff and our perspective on it but we didn't talk about like our dating experiences we just dabbled into them a little bit so yeah i forgot to ask you but <laughs> it's okay we're already we've been talking for some time so <laughs> we can um do a part two on dating um for the senate discourse another day right. um, so since we are sliding out of these subjects do you have Anything you want to discuss for a moment in media or any other topics? Uh, not super particularly. No, I really. Do you haven't really been watching TV? So I watched. I mean, yes, I watched. I guess, yeah, I guess. So, like, one thing I had, I watched that I'm kind of surprised at. Actually, I have to give props to Disney. I do have to say, I watched the first episode of Miss Marvel, and mm-hmm. um, I do have to say that when it comes to Disney trying to include other cultures, I have to give them the props. They are definitely, certainly trying their hardest. And shout out to Kevin Feige. Yeah, I, actually, yeah, like he. Uh, He's doing his thing. It's not, and the thing is, I feel like they got a pretty good beat on it because it's not just like usually when people think about like mo- trying to be diverse, it's like all right, let's throw some black people in there. Let's call it a day. <laughs> in the and actually, if you think about it, even before twenty twenty, they've been doing all this because if you're making a movie or a TV series, it takes the whole process takes at least three, four, five years. 
So this is like before 2020 when everybody was woke. <laughs> so, you know, when, when 2020 and George Floyd died and everybody started talking about, you know, diversity and race and stuff, and it became serious and every all the companies became super compliant and uh, very supportive and everything. Um, Disney must have already had it in the works because they already had, I mean, some of the stuff I think was kind of, they like kind of like put on us. Like I think the whole Captain uh, what was it? Falcon and the Winter Soldier was mm-hmm. a little bit more present. That was more of a not as planned. Like earlier before, they probably had the Winter Soldier, but everything wasn't like written as it was. But I never watched it. So yeah, it's not worth it. Um, <laughs> sorry, right. you really don't need it. Um, but I think that, like, other stuff like um, Shanghai, Shang-Chi and the Ten Shang-Chi. Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, this one where it's a lot of, uh, they, they, she's from Pakistan. So they have a lot of Middle Eastern, well, it seems like they're going to have, like, a lot of Middle Eastern um, culture. And it's not like, uh, how do I describe it? It's not like Wakanda or Black Panther, where the whole story is centered around it. It's like, hey, this person is Asian, this person is from Pakistan, and we're going to tell this story. You know? And you get the difference? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't die. (laughs) Where Black Panther is where, you know, Black Panther is black, and he's from Africa, and he's from Wakanda, and that is Mm -hmm. kind of where the whole story is based out of and kind of like him being black is literally part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't take black Panther. I mean, even in the comics originally it was part of his story. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but with like Shang Chi and Miss um, Marvel, it's more like really good seasoning instead of it being like the whole meal, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of it, but it's not, the star of it. So with Shang-Chi, the star was the powers and the blah, 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 blah. And then his culture came right behind it. It, it tied into I it. do... I, I think I understand what you mean with Shang-Chi because that's the one I watched. Um, even, even, it, it wasn't that it wasn't a major player, it just wasn't the main player, is what yes. you're saying. So I understand. Yes. Um, and I, I do like that one as being an ex- a good example of like implementing it because when I watched Moon Knight, um, it was like convenient that the wife was Egyptian, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we it wasn't her story, so mm-hmm. we didn't get like a full understanding or experience of of what it's like for her being an Egyptian woman, yeah. and then him. He was Jewish, and that didn't come up at all to like the very end, mm-hmm. and it barely had anything to do with it. Yeah, and I was like, so "Well, he's just like he's Jewish, all right? Okay, that's cool." Yeah, yeah. that's how I, was, I was like, "Did I miss something?" Yeah, man? like <laughs> I mean, to be fair, his whole past was kind of shrouded, so you could kind kind of put a pass on that a little bit, but but I but be, 
Because they added it, I felt like it was supposed to be important. And I don't think it ever became important. And it was also confusing because not that um, Oscar Isaac can't be Jewish, because he can. Um, He is um, part Latina. Like, he's, he's very much a brown person. And I think a lot of times with, like, brown people... Um, sometimes they can be racially ambiguous, so it's like you can't, you don't always know well, what kind of brown are you. Yeah. But um, so in this situation, him playing like um a Jewish person, I was like, okay, I'm fine with that, especially if that is maybe true to the character story. But it just didn't have anything to do with anything. Mm-mm. And they threw it in there like it was supposed to help us understand him more. And I was like, I don't understand with him that. <laughs> like, I was just like, I guess he's Jewish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but that's. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Disney. Nobody can be perfect, I guess. But with. With uh, I mean, this is only episode one. To be fair, too, this is just what I'm taking from episode one. But with Miss Marvel, it seems like they are getting in their stride of incorporating culture or whatever culture means in the main storyline. So we'll see how it goes. We will see. I haven't watched it yet. I. I'm one of those people that when they get too many things to watch that they or that they're supposed to be watching on the multiple list on multiple streaming services, they get overwhelmed and just start watching the, something that they already enjoy and like. Mm-hmm. So today I started re-watching Chewing Gum on HBO Max because I was just kind of scrolling through HBO Max. I had finished the finale of Legendary. Um Speaking of which, happy Pride Month to everyone in the LGBTQIA community, or as I like to call them, the Alphabet Mafia. I don't know where I got that from, but I was like, that sounds about right. I love it. Um, I hope they rock with that name. (laughs) So um, I was watching Legendary, which is a ballroom competition show. And the finale came out, and I watched it, and I was like, all right, well, what do I do now with my time? And so I was going just scrolling through HBO Max because I was already on there, and they had this thing called like cringe worthy binges, and some of the options they had on there, including Insecure and Chewing Gum, I was like, what the? What you mean cringe worthy? I do not cringe when I think of this show, even though I'm clearly binging it. Like when I think of cringe worthy binges, it's stuff that you do not want people to know that you be watching. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I shot from the rooftop that I watch these shows. Yeah. And the fact that Insecure just went off the air last year, and I had rewatched the entire series before the final season came out, I was like very fresh on Insecure, so I didn't feel the need to rewatch that. But I was like, I haven't watched Chewing Gum. In forever, I'm about to watch this because f them for calling this cringeworthy. I'm about to <laughs> love binge this, and there were just it was it's still funny, it's still hilarious. So, um, shout out to Michaela Cole, shout out to all of the crew in Chewing Gum when she won her Emmy for um, 
I can't remember what it's called right now, but um, the mini series that she did with HBO Max. Um, I remember her immediately like hugging Cynthia Revo, and I was like, "Oh, two black British ladies, yeah, they probably know each other." And then today, when I was watching Chewing Gum, I was like, "Oh snap, that's Cynthia Revo!" Oh snap, like mm. she put Cynthia Revo in her show before Cynthia Revo was Cynthia Revo. Mm-hmm. So I'm like. No, they didn't just happen to know each other. Like, they've legit worked together. Like, she's given Cynthia Revo jobs. So I just thought that was really beautiful. And um, I guess that's my moment in media to, like, remind you to watch those things that you love proudly. True. Do not call them cringeworthy binges. And for those that don't know about chewing gum, to put y'all on chewing gum because... It's so funny. It's so good. If it's good, it's good. That I mean, when I was in, in you know, it's weird because... When I was in middle middle school, middle school, high school, I, I started doing anime when I was in high school. Um, it was for nerds. And by the time I graduated college, no, nah, after graduated college, maybe like eight years after high school, after I started watching anime, it was cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like what you like, don't care what anybody likes. Just do what you got to yeah. do, you know? Yeah. I definitely... Um... <laughs> It's weird to me that people would try to act like anime was ever bad because I'm like, we literally were all watching Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z. And I just, yes. I I don't know if they thought that maybe they just outgrew it. Nah. Like they outgrew watching animated things because they thought it was for kids. No, I think what it was is that all the little dweebs and the nerds and all the weird kids were watching anime. So nobody really wanted to be related to it. And then they got older and they're like, and Netflix and streaming services came out. I'm like, oh no, anime is pretty cool. And that's what happened. That's all that happened. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like, especially with going to, um like in high school, I definitely think that if someone was like, oh, you watch this anime, people probably would have been like, oh, you're lame or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, But I was already in Magnet and it was, it was that weird line where I'm like, y'all gonna call me a nerd anyways because I'm a Magnet, so I kind of mm-hmm. don't care. But I'm also like, there's so many Magnet people that are in the cool things that like the cheerleaders, football players, basketball mm-hmm. players, whatever. So I just be like, y'all are dumb. Like, y'all don't even know. They be the main ones talking about this stuff with us like all the time. Um, but then when I got to college especially, I just felt like, with me being at Howard, it was like everyone here was their class president or their um, like the like the top person, whatever from their school, the most interesting person, and and like a lot of the people that I like would hang out with or engage with would be like they become popular from either being like Greek or mm. um, being in certain step shows or just being like like you said, class president stuff, but it was like highlighted that some of the nerdier things, like they would still highlight the nerdy things about them, but they would also be like those nerdy things don't don't stop you from being yeah multifaceted or interesting. And I'm like, yeah. I, I think by college for me or being in college, people could like differentiate, like you could be multiple things and that doesn't make you not an interesting person. Because um, nerd def- graduating and getting money, that was it. Well, I just I just think everyone that was at the college was like a nerd in some form. Exactly. Like, oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but I think in high school it's like, well, everybody goes <laughs> to high school. You got to be here. That's so. true. That's true. 
what's what else is gonna make you cool because it's not gonna be that you studied and did your homework like like being that kid that was like i never was the kid that was like hey you didn't collect the homework but when you when i collect when they passed out the homework and it was like oh mandy got an a again it was like what was i supposed to do fail like <laughs> what are you talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. or the or or like i remember one time specifically i think it was my um economics class i had that same teacher for another class like right before that so he would like kind of let me do extra stuff or go whatever he knew I was trustworthy so he sent me off to copy like he sent me off with the book to copy like the um to make copies of whatever our quiz was and so then they would come back and be like did you get the answers and I'm like what you talking about they're like the answers are in the back of the book and I'm like why would I get the answers this quiz is so easy (laughs) And then I had to remember, like, evidently it's not easy for everybody. Like, they needed you to steal the answers. I was like, yeah. I mean, if y'all really want to cheat, I guess you could look off my paper. But no, I didn't steal the answers because mm-hmm. memorizing A, B, C, D, E, F, G don't feel necessary to me when I just know the answer. Strong flex. <laughs> I don't, I was, <laughs> I wasn't trying to flex with anybody, but I'm like, you really think it would be easier for me? to immediately memorize like in in the in the time span of 10 minutes mm-hmm. memorize all of the answers between 1 through 20 or whatever however many questions we have as opposed to paying attention every day and having the like 2 weeks to memorize information <laughs> and then be like oh i guess i know the answer Y'all are weird. That's what that's what like it would feel like to me. I'm like y'all are weird. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah. All right. Well, I guess we did a podcast. I think. <laughs> and if you enjoyed this podcast, then please engage with us on the social medias, Instagram and Twitter. We are Cuzzle Combos. You can also find us at cuzzleconvos at gmail.com where you can send us your questions, comments. Um, just tell us how you feel about the podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. Yep. So this ends Cuzzle Combos. We thank you for joining our family and we'll see you next time. Hey,